Gurur Brahma, Gurur Vishnu, Gurur Eva Maheshwara, Gurur Shakshat Parabrahma, Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. I bow to my Guru and I bow to him and all of you. I would like to read from a book that I have written of recollections, conversations with Yogananda. The professor that we were talking about yesterday and the day before asked the question, is man important in the scheme of things? Man is important in one sense only, the master replied. He was made in the image of God. That is his importance. He is not important for his body, ego, or personality. His constant affirmation of ego consciousness is the source of all his problems. Now that's one of the most profound thoughts that we can hold in mind as we go through life. The more we think about ourselves, the more we suffer. I remember when I grew up, well, I grew up in many countries, but I ended up from the age of 13 living in America, which is where my parents came from. And uh, I remember how much importance was given to the thought of I, and I felt kind of confused. You know, I grew up mainly, I was born in Romania, which is a humble country. I wouldn't begin to compare it with a great country like America or India. A humble country just about describes it. They managed to get things a little wrong, even I'll never forget how one time they decided that daylight saving was a great idea. So the whole country officially went on what they thought was that, but in fact they went on daylight losing time for a whole summer, putting the clocks in the wrong direction. Well, that was Romania. I loved it, though. One thing I loved about the country was that people didn't seem in the same way to take themselves quite so seriously. And this is something I did notice, and I love America. I think very highly of it. I will not say I'm proud to be an American because I'm a world citizen. But nonetheless, it has many fine qualities. One that is not so fine is that kind of self-importance which comes, unfortunately, with bigness. I, one thing I love about India is that the people in this country, although naturally you have ego everywhere, you have pride and jealousy and all the usual troubles that come along with ego. At the same time, underlying that, there is a culture that tells you to rise above the ego. And everybody, to some extent, and you wouldn't notice it being an Indian, but I as an outsider do see that. I see that underlying the uh, daily associations, there is a certain calmness. I'll never forget one time many years ago, I was on my way looking for somebody in the home ministry. And I needed information as to how to find the right office. And there were three men standing there. One was an American, and the other two were Indians. And the American was trying to charm them. And the Indians were simply being themselves. It's so often that in little byplays you catch big things. The Indians, when I came to the three of them to ask for information, they just turned graciously as if, well, yes, what would you like? 
And the American turned around, hey, you're on, Jack, sort of being charming. That was, to me, almost, I don't know what, I don't want to call it pathetic, but it was kind of funny. Because this attempt of the, the uh, a consciousness of being so outward and so in endeavoring to please people and so on, that's unfortunate like, like America. You know, in India, you can sort of tell by the kind of pets people like. In India, they like cows. Well, a cow is ruminating and philosophical and slow. And I'll never forget an Indian uh, here in New Delhi one time saying that his wife had been a cow in her last <laughs> incarnation. Well, the funny thing was that I looked at her and she didn't know any English. So she didn't know what he was saying. And she was. <laughs> but uh, in America, you'll notice that the <coughs> what they like best are dogs and cats. Well, dogs especially. They, you see them running around chasing their tails and jumping up and down exuberantly and barking at nothing and getting all excited over nothing. And uh, I've often thought, in fact, I've dedicated my life in my country to try to help people to see that the more they can learn to live inside themselves, the more they're going to find what they really want. Now, there are plenty of mature Americans. It's not as if they were all teenagers. But a country is um, often, it sort of shows itself by those qualities which most people like. For example, in America, very few people want to get old. Frankly, I don't mind it at all. I think it's a great thing. And the thought that it'll all end before too long, ho, ho, great. But uh, the truth is that too many people try to live as if they were still youngsters, and they're not. They might as well be themselves. Every age has its own charm. But the well, when we lived in Romania, for example, Americans would come over. In the, my father was an oil geologist for Esso, and big shots would come over there and uh, smoking big cigars and talking big talk. And I couldn't understand what was so important about being important. And even the children seemed to want to somehow bluster and be important. Well, in my teenage years, I remember I suffered a lot because I just couldn't get with it. I couldn't take those things seriously that they considered so important. I did try. I mean, at that age, you're insecure, and you sort of wonder, maybe I'm wrong. But I found it just didn't work. There was something in life that I wasn't finding in all that noise and jazz and swing and everything that was so popular then. And I used to always sort of stand back and say, well, why? What do they mean? Why is it happening? I used to always ask this question, why? I think that's one of the things that meditation helps you to accomplish. I found this when I was living with my guru, that, uh, oh, I probably pestered him more than any other disciple, asking why. Why this? Why that? And the beautiful thing was he answered me. He didn't brush it off lightly. He understood that uh, by questioning, I could achieve what I was looking for. And I wasn't looking only for myself. I was thinking for other people, too. How can they find the answers that they want? Many things on the spiritual path create questions. I had used to be 
and this was my particular little fault. We've all got them, I suppose. Mine was intellectual arrogance. I had asked so many questions, come up with a lot of answers, and I became kind of proud of that. It was really when I began to discover that I didn't like being proud. It gave me a kind of a dryness, especially intellectual pride. I could answer everything. I could argue everybody out of everything. I thought, what is it giving me? I remembered my childhood in Romania. I remembered how happy I had been. And I thought, that's what I want. I want to be happy. And that's when I began to turn away from looking for intellectual answers to seeking them in higher truths. Well, when I came to my guru, that's what he tried to knock out of me. This sense of self is such a clutching thing. It's a, it's a hypnosis. I remember one time sitting, um, well, I remember one time I'd been working on becoming humble and waking up one morning and discovering I was getting proud of my humility. There's just no way out of it. It's a trap. But indeed, one time I do remember it was wonderful. I was sitting in meditation and I felt this ego. You know, the ego is centered at the medulla oblongata, at the base of the brain. And I, what you want to do in meditation is bring it here forward to the frontal lobe of the brain. And uh, if you can bring that, that's where a master lives from here. A worldly person lives from here. And if you can really bring your senses of self to this point, then you feel that you're free. You can do all the same things, but there's never that constant reference to I, I, I. And one day in meditation, one evening, I was thinking, I just want to get rid of this ego. And with a great effort of will, I just drove it, sort of blasting it into the infinite. And uh, did I get rid of it completely? I don't suppose I did, but boy, what a difference it made. I felt so free. And when I went out of my meditation, I saw my guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, standing above the tennis courts, looking out across the city. And even though it was in America, we followed this Indian custom, and I knelt to touch his feet, and he, he knew instantly what I'd gone through, and he said, very good. What a freedom. Always, you know, since then I have felt that freedom. I don't say I've overcome, but I have discovered how wonderful it is to live without that sense of self-importance. All our troubles begin because we suffer, because we're hurt, because somebody did it to us. We need to get rid of that simple little thought. The more you can think he, the more free you are. There's another saying here connected with that that I'd like to read to you. In the book, it's, Saying number four, on another occasion, the master told us, man was given ego consciousness to inspire him to seek God. That is the only reason for his existence. Job, friends, personal interests, these things by themselves mean nothing. Now, if we can really get rid of that Simple thought. But you know, the ego really is a blessing, too. You look at the animals. They don't have much of a sense of ego. Yeah, they have a certain sense of discomfort. They sort of like to 
things to be slightly different. If you, if you hit them, they yelp and cry, but they soon forget. There isn't the same sense of, uh, well, there's a sum of a sense, but much less. I remember in Bucharest, they had dog catchers out, and uh, they always got a little money for every dog they caught. So my brother was going out for a walk with our dog. He was eight years old, I think, at the time, a little boy. And so these dog catchers thought, well, if we take this dog from him, we get the money out of it. So they tried to take the dog from my brother Bob. And Bob held their dog catcher's pole and said, run, Jasper, run. And Jasper, for once, he was the laziest thing you ever saw. But for once, he took off like an express train and ran down Boulevard Bushstein. And these dog catchers were pounding after him. And then when Jasper got out of sight of them, he hid behind a bush. So that showed a certain intelligence. And uh, well, anyway, he, the dog catchers ran past him, and he was saved. So for days, even weeks afterwards, if he would be, let's say, under a table, and we'd mention proudly how clever he'd been, he knew he was we were talking about him. He'd start to <laughs> going through all the, the strain and stress of the chase. So there's some ego there, but there's not much. When you look at simple people who have come up, just you might say, just recently arrived from the animal level in evolution, there isn't the same kind of I am suffering that you find in more civilized people or sophisticated people, aware people. A friend of mine was a doctor in South Africa who had to deal with some very primitive people. And they'd get into barroom brawls and they'd come into the clinic literally with their intestines in their hands. And he would just almost faint seeing it. And they'd say, oh, don't give me anesthesia, doc. Just shove it in and sew it up. He saw that so many times that he, 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 he was amazed. It's not that those people are less aware of their senses. They're much more so. You, a little sound they can hear, a little storm on the horizon they can see long before so-called civilized people can. They have much more sensory awareness than you or I. I'm assuming you are as dumb as I am in these things. But uh, the fact is that as people begin to see that, well, I'm the one who's suffering, they see their intestines, oh my God, it's my body. They see the blood coming out of a little wound. You know, a little child can fall down on the floor and look at you and no particular expression until you express pity. Did you hurt yourself? And then suddenly starts weeping. If you could be a little tough, if you could forget yourself, but it's that ego consciousness that says, I, 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 that is what <coughs> causes your suffering. On the other hand, however, it's also your blessing. Because it's when you realize I'm the one who's suffering, not just that suffering is going on. I'm the one who needs to do something about it. I don't like suffering. And so it is that cultivation of the senses, of the intelligence, as we come up in the evolution of man, we reach the point where people begin to see that I need to know what I can do to change myself. We go beyond the point of blaming the world for whatever happens. We reach the point of knowing that we're the ones who not only are suffering, but 
need to do something about it to change it. And in that change, we gradually turn to God. He alone can take us out of this ego. He alone can take us out of this sense of separateness that makes us feel that I'm suffering and you're not. You know the story of the Indian scriptures when, well, I'll tell it in another format because it was the Divine Mother and Katikaya, if I remember correctly. But anyway, the mother was uh, sitting there, or the guru was sitting there, and Kati came in and saw these welts on her back, and he was so upset. And he said, who hit you, mother? I'll get even with him. I'll kill him. And she said, but my son, you did it. He said, never. I would never do such a thing. She said, yes, because you did that to somebody else. You did it to me. When we hurt another people, another person, we do. As we become more sensitive, we understand that their pains are our pains. What suffering we inflict on others, we inflict on our own selves. The more you meditate, the more you break this barrier of thinking, I am separate from you. And the more you realize that all is one. This is the wonderful thing that I saw living with my guru. That even at a distance, he told me once, I know every single thought you think. An astounding claim. And yet it was so. Every little flicker of thought, he would, if it was not the right kind of thought, for instance, he was always trying to train me to teach people. And if I didn't teach correctly, if I gave a wrong example, he would correct me. And I said to him once, thought you knew. He said, I know every thought you think. This is what it is to grow spiritually, not to grow big in yourself, but to grow small in yourself and to see yourself in all. Namaskar. No green summer fade and winter draw near. My Lord, in your presence, I live without fear. Through tempest, through snows, through turbulent tide, of your hand is my strength and my guide. I ask for no riches that death can destroy. I crave only Yeah.